Welcome to the Gospel Addict Podcast. I'm Greg Bryan. And I'm Jim Reske. We're gospel addicts because we believe the gospel of Jesus isn't just good news, it's the best news ever. We're addicted to the gospel because it doesn't just start us out in the Christian life, it is the Christian life. Join us as we look at the Bible through the lens of the gospel. Thanks so much for listening. Yeah, so one of the things I see happening here, and Randy, you're welcome to comment, is Peter was a broken man. So Peter Peter was, we've already talked about how courageous he was, how committed he was. He was one of the most committed disciples. I mean, yeah, he stuck his foot in his mouth. He made mistakes. But at the end of the day, even, even when Jesus was arrested, I mean, he was the only one who pulled out his sword and was willing to defend and try to keep Jesus from being arrested. Now, again, at this point, he doesn't really understand that Jesus is needs to go to the cross and that he's not a physical um he's not a political figure that's going to save um mm-hmm. the the jews he's a spiritual savior that needs to to die for our sins he didn't understand that so but you see his tremendous commitment and courage but then he but then he gets he's incredibly broken because he he denies christ and the thing that you know, the thing that he said he would never do, he did. And so what I see here in this, in this, in this passage is when he says, you know, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He says, yes, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. It's like what Peter's saying to to Jesus is, Peter's got himself to a point where he's like, Jesus, you know me better than I know myself. And you know that I love you. And, um, <laughs> and you know, look at the third time in verse 17. It says, Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him a third time, do you love me? And he says, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. So, so basically, he's come to a point in his life. It's kind of a new level of spiritual maturity. And this is what I'm wondering if you guys can relate to, is that he's recognizing that Jesus knows him better than he knows himself. Because he thought he knew himself. He thought he would never deny Jesus. He thought he would never, you know, he was the most committed. But then he, but then he becomes broken because he does the one thing that he said he would never do. So now he's come to a, a new point where he realizes that God, you know me better than I know myself. Have you guys ever thought of that? And, and, or what are your thoughts on that? Uh, oh, okay. I feel like that is not just for Peter, but for everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> we think like, we, I mean, you know what's going on in your heart right now, right? I know what's going on in my heart right now. Nobody else knows, but God knows. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. God, not just Peter, but pretty much Jesus knew everybody better than they knew themselves. And that's one of the reasons why he pointed him out that, you know, you know, when, when you grow older, you're going to, you're going to be where you don't want to be. So he yeah. knew it. he could, that's, you know, that's what I was talking about earlier. That's why Jesus was such a great teacher because he knew what's going to happen, but he came down to the level of the other person's understanding to explain them in the best way possible. And instead of, you know, just like throwing all the information at once on them, 
that would like overwhelm everybody. So I think that's how I feel about it. Pretty much God knows us the best. Mm-hmm. Even even the things that we don't know right now because we cannot we cannot see the future, right? You cannot see the future. But probably God knows it what's going to happen to us tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So but all throughout the Bible we see people that think that they can like like Jonah for example he thought he could run away from God he he thought you know God tells him I want you to go to Nineveh and preach you know against that city and he goes the opposite direction and he actually thinks he can run away from God um but it, it's just an interesting it's an interesting thought that that Peter got himself to a new level. It's almost like he, he leveled up in his spiritual beliefs that, you know, Jesus, you know me way better than I know myself. Mm-hmm. And you know that I, you know that I love you. Randy, you were going to make a comment a few minutes ago. Well, yeah. If, I just think we, if you go back when Jesus reinstates him back to the, the, um, the last supper, before they go to Gethsemane in Matthew 26, um, Peter replies, Jesus tells Peter, you're going to, um, this very night, you will fall away on account of me. And Peter says, even if all fall away on account of me, I never will. He's comparing himself to everybody else. And I think when Jesus is reinstating him with that first time, it's because he does know him better He's, he's like, hey, Peter, do you still think you're better than everybody else? Like he's saying, do you love me more than all of these? He only asked that once. And I think it's because he, he's literally almost going back to that last supper and saying to Peter, Peter, um, remember when you said that you, even if everyone else falls away, you wouldn't like. And so he's giving him a chance to. Uh, you know, to to reinstate himself, to come back, to to claim that he wants to follow Christ. And one other quick thing I, I think is really significant is Jesus says over and over, he doesn't say, feed your lambs. He says, feed my lambs, feed my sheep, and that we are all his sheep. So he's not saying, and so sometimes people involved in ministry see the folks as these are my People, you know, the, my church or my my ministry, um, and Jesus is saying, no, these, these are they're all mine. This is my my lambs, the ones I care for. These are the ones I love. And so, Peter, take care of the ones that I love. And I love that it's my sheep, my lambs, my yeah, yeah. That is that is really cool, and that kind of reminds me of when they caught the hundred fifty three fish. Um, you know, those were, in a sense, those were Jesus's fish too. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, it's, well, yeah, let's talk about this. Like when he says, feed my lambs, um, you know, sometimes you, sometimes this kind of reminds me a little bit about John chapter three, when he had this conversation with Nicodemus and, you know, um, sometimes Jesus's responses can be confusing. So he says, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And then Jesus says, feed my lambs. Why did Jesus say, 
to feed his lambs. What's he, what, I mean, obviously you just brought up the point that they're his lambs. Um, and this kind of ties into maybe the argument that when he said, do you love me more than these? He's referring to the fish because he's, he's now saying, I don't want you to love fish anymore. I want you to love my lambs, which are my people. Um, but, and then, you know, do you guys have any thoughts on it? He says, feed my lambs the first time. Then he says, take care of my sheep. Um, and then the third time he says, feed my sheep. Um, you know, what, what's happening there is, is Jesus is not just, not just reinstating uh, Peter, but he's, is he recommissioning him? Yeah. 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 And I think for them, understand throughout the scripture for David was a shepherd. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. I think the nation of Israel understood that. I think these men understood when he's saying this in many ways, Jesus is actually claiming to be God. I mean, the God is the shepherd. And Jesus said, these are my sheep. These are my people, my lambs. These are the ones I love. And so I think um, you lay down your life for your sheep. And so, yeah, I, I think it's, and he is, I think he's commissioning them um, back into ministry. He's saying, you're going to, you're going to spend time taking care of people and feeding people feeding them my word. Um, so, yeah, yes. But I think the people at the time, that the idea of sheep and lambs was not formed. That's the Old Testament's filled with passages like that. So I think they would have understood that. Yeah. All right, well, let's continue on. There's only a, a little bit more left in this passage, in this chapter. So, he um in verse 19 he, he indicates what oh yeah we should talk about this for a second um jesus tells peter how he's gonna die <laughs> which is kind of crazy um he says in verse 18 when you were younger you dressed yourself and went where you wanted but when you're old you will stretch out your hands which stretching out your hands is like being on the cross and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate what kind of death Peter would glorify God. Um, yeah, so Randy, what do we know about how Peter died? Um, well, uh, as history tells us, Peter died. He was crucified. And he was crucified. He chose, rather than to be crucified the way that Jesus did. He chose, uh, his, church history tells us that he was crucified upside down, that he felt like he didn't, he didn't, uh, it wasn't up, he wasn't good enough to die the way Jesus did. So he, he asked to be crucified, to be crucified upside down, which I, I've even tried to picture how that would have looked, but yeah, um, that's, that's what church history tells us. Yeah. And that's, and that's crazy. So, so then, um, it goes on, and he says in verse nineteen, Jesus said this to indicate which kind of uh, what kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, "Follow me." And then what does Peter do? And this is classic Peter right here. <laughs> <laughs> he 
It really is classic Peter. I think he was a verbal processor. I think he just kind of spoke <laughs> what came to his mind, which that's the way I am too. I mean, yeah. um, where my wife, my wife, when she speaks, she's thought through what she's going to say. <laughs> and she comes, she's very wise where I, I will process out loud. I will say things. And then two seconds, <laughs> two minutes later, I'll disagree with it. Um, so anyway, Peter turns in verse 20, Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved, which was John was following, following them. This is the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and said, Lord, who is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? Which is so funny that Peter did this. I mean, uh, it's just, it's just so funny that, and then Jesus answered in verse 22, um, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. Because of this, a rumor spread among the believers that this disciple would not die. But Jesus did not say he would not die. He only said, if I want him to remain until I return, what is that to you? And then John talks about himself here. This is the disciple who testifies to these things and who wrote them down. We know that his testimony is true. And then I love verse 25, and it's the last verse of the book of the Gospel of John. Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have enough room for the books that would be written. Oh, that is a really cool, cool verse. So, in other words, Jesus did. We, you know, when we read the Gospels, we don't have every single thing that Jesus did. We only have a small portion of it, uh, just a just a tiny bit. But um, let's go back to this, like Peter's response, and says, you know, what about him? Um, uh, what are you guys' thoughts you know, on this? I, I think, Greg, it, uh, in a Bible I have, it's a quote by Swindoll, but Chuck Swindoll, but it says, we're really only responsible to answer for ourselves. Like, we, we're we not to worry about what other people do or what they're, we're only to do the role that God has for us not the role guy. And sometimes we can look at each other and say, that's not fair. Like, how come they get that and I don't? Or how come that everything's better for them? And our job is to do the role that God has prepared for us to do and not to compare to everyone else, but to think through what is it, God, what is it you want me to do, God? What is my role here to do? How can I bring you glory and please you and um and we answer only for ourselves yeah and so when we stand before god have we done what he asked us to do and so i think i think because peter keeps like like i said all the way back in matthew where he was saying hey they can all follow him but i won't he kept comparing himself and then he says uh you, you know um what well, here he's comparing himself again and it's like and jesus is saying hey stop just focus on on who just you're follow doing. me yeah follow me because he wants to set peter free from the comparison game right he wants Amen. to set people free from you know because if you're constantly <laughs> comparing yourself to other people you're always going to compare yourself to people that are more successful more <laughs> you know, have more things, have more money, have more, oh, you know, but we're, we're each running our own race. 
And like you said, like for us to really be set free, um, we need to just focus on Jesus. What do you think about that, Ali? So I think that's that's very true, right? Because it's just the human nature that we we end up comparing because I feel like we compare because we feel like we have not achieved as much as the other person has achieved. So I think that's one of the reasons why we compare and that's what, that's what really, you know, makes Jesus special that he gives you, he, he treats every person as an individual and never compares because that's how it should be in, in life. Mm -hmm. You can, you can like, and this is an old example that my mom used to give to me where, you know, you look at your hand and not all the fingers are equal, but all of them are equally important. You know, you can, the things that the index finger can do, maybe this cannot do, but what this can do, this cannot do. So I think that's what, that's what I, that's how I look at it. That's a great, that's a great illustration there. Um, I agree, Ali. I think you're right. I think that is human nature, but sadly, when we compare and everything to everybody else. So if Ali, if I'm constantly comparing myself to you and you have this incredible thing that happens in your life, that's so great. Instead of me being able to celebrate it, I'm bummed that it didn't happen to me because I'm busy comparing. And so mm -hmm. when we're free of that, I can actually celebrate with you and enjoy your success because I'm free from it. I don't have to worry about it anymore. It's not like uh, you're not my competitor. You're my friend. And I'm, I want you, I want you to succeed as much as myself. And I think for us as followers of Christ, we want, you know, think of others as more important than yourselves is what Paul says in Philippians. And I think that's a great illustration of this, that we get to think about others and lift them up more than ourselves. So, yeah, but I think you're right. It is part of uh, our nature. And sadly, yes. I, I think uh, Jesus can set us free from that. Yeah, I mean, even for a very long time, even I compared myself to my other class fellows or my other friends. You always end up comparing. And I think it's in some ways... Uh, it's just human nature that you end up comparing. Mm -hmm. yep. So when you read that statement, when you read verse 22, it can seem a little harsh. You know, if I want him to remain until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. But I, but I think it's sort of a compassionate statement too, because he's basically saying, like I was saying before, you know, Peter, for you to be the per for you to be the best version of yourself, you need to focus on me and not other people. Yes. Yep. That's, I think that's how it should be looked at, but mm, it's also about like, if you look at it, Jesus is saying that, you know, if it doesn't matter me, it should not matter to you. Mm. Right. So you follow, you follow me, you care about me. You don't care about what everybody else is doing. It's just like, you know, uh, like I said before, he accounts for everybody individually. 
just because he doesn't let the other person influence his decision because of that. And I think it's just like typical human nature to do that, right? We we see that example every day, especially now that I am in a class setting. I see that example even more where the professor is like, you know, trying to teach somebody and then every now and then the other student kind of intervenes and then this the professor has to uh, be become a great leveler to make every other students feel equally important although they're not i mean some are more smart some are you know not as smart but the job of the professor is to level everybody and i think that's what jesus is doing here in some ways that's true and here's another interesting uh, observation in verse 23 it says because of this a rumor spread among the believers that the disciple would not die this was a conversation between eight people there were the seven disciples and jesus and isn't it interesting that how this spread, like <laughs> this conversation spread, it became known um, so that it became this huge rumor that this guy, this disciple John, who wrote the book Gospel of John, that he wasn't going to die, that he was going to somehow just keep living until Jesus returned. Um, I find that kind of fascinating. And again, when people tell you that the Bible is just a bunch of made up stories, why would you put that in there um, unless it happened? Like um, it was such a, it was such a well-known rumor um, that John put it in there because, you know, people were um, still talking about it. Um, so I, I think that's interesting. Any thoughts, Randy? Well, um, no, not necessarily anything new, but, I think um, it's interesting to me how in the scriptures, if you were trying to write something and make something up, you would probably paint yourself in a really positive light. Like you would want to show yourself to be, yet the disciples don't always come off and they show who they really are, right? I mean, Peter is so compulsive and he says things and he jumps in and you know, um, he jumps in the water and he starts to sink. And it just, it just, Thomas doubts him and it goes on, right? There's all, James and John asked if they could sit on his right and his left. There's all these scenes like that. And I think to me, that just shows the reliability of the scriptures. That these people are not trying to put a fake, it's not like everything on Facebook's a happy picture of something incredible in my life. That's not really how life is. And I love how they write exactly who they are. And, yeah, because um, yeah, because like like we said, so Peter goes through this whole thing about how much he loves Jesus, and you know Jesus gently reinstates him and recommissions him, but then he turns around two seconds later and says, "Well, what about him?" <laughs> like it's just it's just it's you know why if, if and then Peter. Um, is like the superhero in the book of Acts. So, but so you still see that Peter is just a flawed human being, just like you, just like you and I are. Well, let's um let's wrap this up and look at the last verse, verse 25. I think this is fascinating. And there are also many other things that Jesus did, which if they were written one by one, I suppose that even the whole world itself could not contain the books that would be written. Um 
isn't that isn't that an amazing uh verse so we, what he's saying is while john wrote the truth about jesus it's impo it was impossible for him to write the whole truth about jesus um i have a question yeah so for how long did jesus live on 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 this planet Randy? how long did he live yeah how long did he live does anybody know that um yeah i mean 33 I years 33 33 and a half years yeah because i think my question is kind of related to this passage because for those 33 years i think he must have done a lot of stuff right yeah absolutely so, but the first 30 years of his life, Ali, he, he was he was sort of um hidden. A normal was, human? Yeah, he was like a well, he was like a carpenter and um he wasn't, you know, it was only the last three years of his life where he made himself known to the world. Um but I mean obviously this is this statement is like hype what what is it, hyperbole? Exactly exaggerate it is that what you're trying to say it's 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 a it's like a hyperbole it's exaggerated but i think it's also not exaggerated because we know that jesus existed before he became human he's always existed in eternity and so in that yeah. sense i mean, I mean yeah, yeah he's doing things right now <laughs> i mean you can't right. yes. you, you can't write enough books about god to explain him you know yep. there's so much I, about I, god that we don't know that is true. That is, I, I, I always say that because I think God has only given us that much intelligence, right? His existence yeah. and his being. It, I feel like, you know, when sometimes people ask critical questions about God and they, they you know, try and find answers which they cannot find, I, I feel like you got to give that uh, and you got to say that that's above my pay grade. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> because well, you cannot understand that part because God has not given you the intelligence to understand that part. So I think that part of what he's saying here, this last verse, is that there's much more about Jesus than we know. That's true. And so it's okay for us as followers of Jesus when somebody asks us a question to say, I don't know. Like, we don't have to have all the answers because there's so much about Jesus that I still don't know. Yes. I'm still learning. Like I'm, st I still need to keep following Jesus because I, you know, there's not a, you never get to the point where you're, where you come to the point in your life where you're like, I know everything about Jesus. That's impossible. Yes. I mean, if you just look at nature, right, there are so many things in nature that you can explain how they're happening. You know, science can explain how they are happening, but they cannot explain why they are happening. I think that is beyond our intelligence. It's you cannot understand that. You that's God's work, and you leave it at that. That's how I feel about it. Like I've heard that scientists who, um, the scientists that um, are experts in like the microscopic stuff yeah. that most of them are believers in God. And also the scientists that, that examine the macro stuff, like like the stars and the universe, yeah. they tend to be believers in God. 
Yeah, I mean, so, you know, the other day I was having a conversation with one of my friends and I was like, God knew that we're going to need water. I think water is one of the greatest gifts of God. I mean, just look at water. How much do we depend on water in everyday life? We drink it. We use it to clean ourselves, right? Water goes in our food. Without water, there would be no plants. So we cannot have food. So how did God come up with this? Who can come up with this idea? I don't think a human can come up with an idea to create water. God created water, right? It can, right. Only, be, it can only be a super being like him who could think of water and he could think that if I'm putting people on this planet, they're going to need water. And you know what? Our bodies are 70% water. So that means, that means we're this close to drowning. (laughs) (laughs) Holly, don't laugh. laugh. Um, It's a good one. Oh, no. no, no. We're this close to drowning. <laughs> no, we heard it the first time, Greg. No, All right. but I was going to say, you know, here's an amazing thing, Ali. Think about this with water. Water is so unique. You know, it's the only element, I believe, uh, that in its solid form, it floats. So, yes. like, everything else in the solid form, it'll sink. So, water, three forms, gas, vapor, solid ice. Ice floats. If ice did not float, it would sink to the bottom, build up, and all life on this planet would not exist. Right. Because the they in within a few years the entire planet will be frozen. Yeah. But because ice floats, it doesn't go down to the bottom. It doesn't stay frozen, and so it will melt. And so that means that there can be life on the planet. And it's like. Someone even thought of that. You see, that is like beyond a, a human mind cannot think that far. It has to be. It has to be God. So, you know, that's like every now and then I get into an argument, not an argument, but like I get into a discussion with people who are not believers. I, I tell them, just look around you. Like just one day, wake up in the morning and look around you. And the creation that you're living in has you yourself is a wonder. Of course, God created all of us. But if you just look around yourself, you have to believe in God. There's no way you can deny God. Just look around you. All this has been created by God. And it's just perfect because everything that we need exists on this planet. And he knew that. That's great. That's a great, great, uh, that's a great way to look at life. And um, yeah, I have a friend who said a similar thing. He goes, whenever I start, um, feel like I'm away, far from God. I just look at my hand. I just stare at my hand, and I just think all that went into making my fingers move and right. and the intricacies of the human hand yeah. are just crazy. And in the human eyeball, and there's just so so much you can marvel at. Yeah. And I remember actually, Ali, before you started following Jesus. You and I used to talk a lot about nature. Yes. And, and, I'm a nature lover. Yeah. Well, and we and we and what it what impressed me is how you saw God in nature. Yes. Because um, I think that's one and, and we being ourselves, one of his greatest creation, right? Humans have not been able to emulate a human being yet. 
you know, <laughs> and I don't think they'll ever be able to create another human being. But that's how that's how I look at it. You know, if you want to people ask for proofs, right? People ask, so prove me that God exists. You just have to look at yourself in the mirror or even if that's not enough, you just look up in the sky. Who else Who else can create such a wonder? It has to be God. It has to be a higher power. I mean, let's, if it's, if, you know, calling him God is too far, you have to believe that we are on this planet and there is a reason and there's a, there's a, a creator. You cannot deny the fact that there's not a creator for all of this. Amen. So with that, I'm just going to, that last verse, and there are also so many other things that Jesus did, which if they were recorded one by one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Gospel Addict Podcast. Feel free to contact us via email at gospeladdictpodcast at gmail.com. Stay tuned for our next episode and remember, on your worst days, you're never beyond the reach of God's grace. And on your best days, you're never beyond the need of God's grace. See you next time.